pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. If all other traditional therapies fail to relieve your long-term pain, an implantable pain pump may be the answer. This therapy delivers controlled doses of pain medicine directly to the spinal cord. Since the 1980s, pain pumps have been an accepted but still unknown alternative to standard medical management for treating unrelieved pain from cancer and non-cancerous conditions. A small pump the size of a hockey puck is surgically placed underneath the skin in the abdomen, and then a tiny tube called a catheter is connected to the pump and delivers very small amounts of medicine into the spinal fluid. Because the medicine is delivered directly, a much smaller dose is needed to alleviate pain compared to taking medicines by mouth, for example, or intravenously. We're joined today by Amy McCarty, who'll describe what a difference her pain pump has made in managing her constant abdominal and low back pain. Then pain specialist Dr. Richard Rauch gives us the most updated information on this amazing therapy for pain relief. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, Purdue Pharma, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Horizon Pharma, Pentec Health, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Twelve years of pain pills and patches, of doubts and worries, led our guest Amy McCarty to finally make the decision to have a pain pump implanted about a year ago. Was this the right choice for a young woman in her mid-30s? Did the pain pump change her life? Was it worth it? Let's find out. Amy, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Tell us what happened to you about 12 years ago that led to the development of chronic pain, or that is the conditions that you have right now. I fell and hurt myself down a flight of stairs, and ever since that happened, I would have pain shooting down my legs and just a lot of tremendous pain. Well, and then what happened? Well, it was the weirdest thing. I was outside mowing grass uh-huh. and um, I, I felt a pop and the pain was so bad. I, I don't know exactly what it was. It was just a, a, a movement and I couldn't walk. I had to have a lumbar fusion of L4 and L5. Well, you know, it is frightening to, to imagine that mowing grass could cause such horrible back pain and shooting leg pain. 
Uh, Amy, what did you do then after you had the fusion? I mean, did the fusion reduce your pain, relieve your pain? It was, it was still there. It was gone as far as I could walk again because of the fusion, but the, the pain was still there. Yeah. Even though I had had the fusion, I was still hurting. Many of my patients with fusion will say something very similar. What, what they say is that the fusion in their low back helps reduce or completely stop their shooting leg pain and also allows them to walk again, but the back pain continues. I'm also aware that you have pretty severe belly pain. Tell us about that. Um, I have chronic pancreatitis with acute flares, and um, the abdominal pain um, was so severe. I have a lot of female trouble, too. Um, I had to have a hysterectomy because of endometriosis. Okay. And um, so I had a lot of belly pain, mm-hmm. upper and lower, but the, but the pancreatitis was it's like a gut, gut-wrenching squeezing all the time. I mean, it sounds miserable. How were you able to cope? I didn't know how to cope. The doctors would give me pills, and um, I was having such trouble with my stomach, and I was experiencing no relief at all. When the pills weren't working or didn't work, what else did you try? I did a lot of physical therapy. You know, a back physical therapist. I went to a nutritionist, weight loss, you know, thinking maybe if I lost some weight that that would help. Mm -hmm. I was on steroids as well for autoimmune problems. So it was just like this big cycle. You know, I would take hydrocodone, then that wouldn't work anymore. So I'd have to go to a different drug. And the strength kept going up and it was scaring me. I literally woke up in the morning clutching to my pain bottle, just taking pills after pills after pills. Amy, it sounds like you really tried a variety of different medical therapies to alleviate your, well, both your low back and your belly pain. I mean, how did this impact your life? Were you able to work, for example? I was a high school teacher, and then um, I lost my job. Um, I wasn't, I I was told that I couldn't come back because I had missed too many days of work. So I got another job as a school teacher, and I realized I couldn't do it. I could not work. How difficult was that? It was devastating because I, you know, am young and I had all these dreams and hopes and aspirations and I felt like everything was being taken from me because of this pain. Um, my marriage was suffering. I had been married since 2000 and I wasn't the person he married. That that person was gone. That must have been really tough for both of you. Yeah, extremely. I didn't think we were going to make it at one point in time, you know, because of the pain. Well, I'm glad you did make it. And Amy, what made you decide to consider the pain pump at this point? Well, um, I spent three months at Baylor with chronic pancreatitis. Uh And one of the doctors came in and said, you know, I think you'd be a good candidate. But I had had a friend... many years ago had had one yeah. and she didn't do very well with it. And I, you know, I thought, oh my gosh, I, you know, that's a last resort. Mm-hmm. And so I put it off for a while because I was scared. I wish that I would have done it sooner. I can't even begin to tell you how it saved my life. Well, that's terrific. Why did you do it, Amy? He told me that because I was having such stomach problems, the medicine would be delivered directly into my spine and I wouldn't have to digest it. It would hit the, the correct nerves. Right. That was exciting to me. So how did you finally make up your mind to have the pump implanted? Well, I prayed about it and I talked to my husband and, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, the pills, they're just not working. We've right. got to try something. And he was really my rock and support. So I figured, what do I have to lose? Exactly. And when we come back from the break, we'll talk to Amy about what medicine was used in the pump that made her feel so much better. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Mylan Pharmaceuticals, one of the world's leading generic pharmaceutical companies. 
Discover why at Mylan, quality isn't just a claim, it's a cause we've made personal at seeinsidemylan.com. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. And we're back. We're speaking with Amy McCarty, whose life was essentially transformed after the implantation of a pain pump. Amy, tell us, what type of medication was used in the pump that made you feel so much better? He tried me on several different things, and Uh Dilaudid worked far better than anything else that I had ever had. Dilaudid is an opioid like morphine, and it sounds like in you was very successful. Before we implant the pain pump, we perform a trial. Tell us what that was like. It was strange because it was a catheter, and you had to be very careful with it, but it went well, and... uh, It was only a few days trial and I didn't have any trouble and we knew right away that that's what we wanted to do because it was successful. And any side effects? Um, I did have a little bit of a headache. Mm -hmm. They said sometimes that happens when they're, you know, initially doing it. So that was the only problem, but it wasn't anything that was worrisome. So the catheter trial was successful with Dilaudid. The next step is to implant the pain pump and you had a Medtronic pump implanted. What was that like? Well, before I had surgery, I asked to see it. It uh-huh. looks like a hockey puck. Right. It was heavier than I thought it would be. They showed me how it would work, mm-hmm. and it was a little disc, and it was going to be implanted in my side, and the catheter would go into my spine. And the next thing I know, it was in and not uncomfortable at all. And were there any uh, complications? You know, I lost a little bit of weight, and I did have a little issue where they had to go back in and re-suture it because Uh of the weight loss that I had, but that's the only complication I've had. It's been a year since the pump has been implanted. How do you feel today? I don't wake up every morning with my pills beside my bed. I don't need them. I don't need them. I have everything already going into my body at a continual rate. I was always worried about about having medication, Mm -hmm. and my quality of life is so improved. That's great to hear. Amy, how much relief, I'm going to delve a little bit more deeply, how much relief do you have of your belly pain and your low back pain from this pump? The pancreatitis pain, it really depends on the acute flares, but I would say it's 50% better. The low back pain, 95% better. Fantastic. Take us through a pump refill. The pump refill depends on your dosage, of course, you know, how fast it it goes out. Mine, I believe, is about every two to three months I have to have mine filled. Okay. Basically, you lie down on the table and they, they scan to make sure that you're device is functioning. They stick a little needle. You can't even feel it. Right. Um, and withdraw any extra drug that you have, and then they fill the new amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can adjust your settings based on your needs. Amy, although rare, I mean, are you concerned about certain complications like drug overdoses or programming errors with the pump or even pump refill errors? I just know, to me, the benefit of this is so much more than the risks. I have a mm-hmm another device, a gastric pacemaker for my stomach. And it's the same thing there. I don't worry about what I can't control. Yeah, right. I mean, I understand. Have you had any side effects from the dilaudid uh, being delivered to the spinal fluid? Things like any cognitive changes, any nausea, any sexual changes? Not one. Um, Before, when I was taking pills, I was very constipated. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not. I don't see any sexual side effects at all from the dilaudid. You know, I'm glad to hear that you don't because some patients do. Amy, what is your emotional state like now? I am not on antidepressants. I used to have to take those things because I was always worried and, and, you know, 
I hurt so bad. It's not that way anymore. Emotionally, I'm 100% better. That's terrific. You know, some of my patients in whom I implant pain pumps still need to use pain medicines. And I'm wondering in your case whether you still need certain pain medicines to control, I mean, maybe breakthrough pain, for example. Out of a week, I might have maybe one day that I have to take one or two pills. And that's dilaudid? Dilaudid pills, yes. Some of my patients are afraid, or they told me they're afraid of having a machine in their body. You know, since losing the weight, I haven't had a tummy tuck or anything, so it kind of pokes out. And you can see it a little bit. Now, you don't ever feel it vibrating or moving or anything. It's just there. That's a great description. And do you have any restrictions in how your body moves? No, no restrictions in my movement. The only thing that I don't like is that I can't go swimming or like in a hot tub, but that's the only thing I really can't do Mm -hmm. because of the device. I've taken up yoga with no problem at all. It's inspiring to hear how much of your life has been regained. And finally, you know, Amy, if you met somebody with unrelieved pain who's tried many therapies without success, what would be your advice? Run to a pain specialist that will not just throw drugs at you, but that will get to the root of the problem and that will introduce you to this. At least try. If you are in the pain that I was in, the excruciating pain, there's no reason why you shouldn't try for your quality of life's sake. Exactly. I think the message is don't give up. Amy, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thank you. Thank you so much. Up next is pain specialist Dr. Richard Rauch from Wake Forest University School of Medicine. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. Horizon Pharma, a biopharmaceutical company that develops and commercializes innovative medicines to target unmet therapeutic needs in arthritis, pain, and inflammatory diseases. Pentech Health, one of the nation's largest pharmacy and nursing companies dedicated solely to providing in-home care for patients with implanted pumps used for the treatment of severe pain or spasticity. Dr. Richard Rauch is a clinical associate professor in the Department of Anesthesiology at Wake Forest University School of Medicine, where he also serves as the Pain Fellowship Director. He's the president of the Carolinas Pain Institute and has developed an expertise in the delivery of pain medicines to the spinal fluid called intrathecal drug delivery. Dr. Rauch, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thanks, uh, Paul. It's great to be on the show. It was back in 1979 that morphine was first injected into the spinal fluid to treat cancer pain. And since the 1980s, we've used implantable pain pumps to control cancer and then later non-cancer pain. I mean, Rick, how effective is, is this therapy for treating persistent pain? It's been a very effective therapy in a small subset of patients. And I think the therapy is still been relegated to those patients who haven't responded to other modalities or treatments. I agree. In addition to the fact that the medicine from the pain pump bypasses the stomach and the liver, what makes it more efficient than than just taking a pill? If we inject it directly into the spinal fluid, most uh, narcotics or opioids are about 100 times more potent than if they take them by mouth. Mm-hmm. Now, we also have new drugs that have been developed that are much more potent than morphine. And those drugs, some of them are, again, even a hundred times more potent than spinally delivered morphine. So now you're talking about a drug that might be 10,000 times more potent than by the oral route. Right. And let's talk now about what the pump and catheter actually look like. Sure. There were times early when we had a catheter that 
came through the skin and was connected to an external pump, yeah. or a needle would go through the skin into a port like uh, many cancer patients know who carry portacasts around. But most recently, over the past 20 years, again, as um, you spoke to earlier, mm -hmm. we have had what are completely contained pumps that are uh, about the size of a hockey puck, and they're implanted usually in one of the lower abdominal regions. And these pumps have internal motors. They have batteries that drive them, and the batteries last usually five to seven years. And they can deliver the medication uh, through a catheter that's tunneled under the skin. Right. Uh, much of this work can be done just with tunneling and very small incisions to the catheter that goes between the spinous processes on the back and into the spinal canal where the spinal fluid is. Right, exactly. And what you're describing in terms of the process is performed uh, in the operating room. Uh, and Dr. Rauch, will you help our listeners understand how the medicine from the pump is actually then delivered through the catheter to the spinal fluid? So we have two opportunities to control that. One, we do have two pump sizes. One holds 20 milliliters and the other holds 40 milliliters. And then we control the concentration of the drug so we can make the drug more or less concentrated. Right. And we can program the pump to infuse at a different rate and then also even allow the patient to give themselves a preset or predetermined bolus if they have uh, an exacerbation of their pain in um, one day versus another. That's a great description. And uh, Rick, in your practice, when do you offer this treatment for patients? And let's start for non with non-cancer pain first. Now, that's a great question. It is one that continues to evolve. As great as this therapy may sound, it really, in the non-cancer patient, has been limited to those who don't respond to other modalities for several reasons. And how about those who have cancer pain? We can identify cancer patients in different ways. Yeah. To look at this technology uh, before patients get uh, at the end stage because I think we can greatly affect in a positive way the quality of life these patients have early on right. if we provide a more effective analgesia. They'll be able to have uh, much richer lives in what often is uh, still a life-shortening disease process. I agree completely, and I've seen that firsthand. Among the medicines that we use in the intrathecal space, which is the space, the fluid-containing space surrounding the spinal cord, only morphine, ziconotide, and baclofen are approved for use by the Food and Drug Administration. But for non-cancer pain conditions, like pelvic pain or abdominal pain or fibromyalgia, for instance, what is your feeling about the value of pain pumps for those conditions? So baclofen is a classic example where we have a good drug for specific disease state. And, and baclofen has been used predominantly in patients who have spasticity secondary to spinal cord injury yeah. or certain types of post-traumatic brain injury. And it has been extremely helpful for that spasticity, which can uh, just alter their lives significantly. We are looking at a lot of drugs, and there's several that are used off-label uh, that are not opioids that have been helpful in some of the a resistant uh, uh, disease state. And off-label means it's not approved by the Food and Drug Administration for intrathecal use. Some of those medications are local anesthetics, like bupivacaine, for example. And another is a drug called clonidine. And we use other medications like ziconotide that are approved for use in the spinal fluid. Ziconotide is a synthetic drug actually derived from the venom of a marine snail. 
Uh, Rick, what is your sense for the value of these different medications in relieving pain? Dave, Certainly have had situations, uh, we as clinicians call them sort of home runs, where I think they've changed patients' lives and been uh, dramatic, and, and we're grateful when that happens. It's just that, unfortunately, it still doesn't happen as often as we probably would like. So, yeah. uh, the, there are other drugs, a very uh, interesting drug, clonidine, that has been very helpful as an adjuvant, and we even use it as a sole drug. Uh, it's done extremely well. Mm-hmm. Ziconotide, you mentioned, has been a very effective drug in select patients, but it's had a a bothersome side effect profile in some patients. As we learn more about it, we realize it can be effective and we can uh, keep the side effects at bay. What's the approximate cost of an intrathecal pump today? Uh, I think the total cost can be in the fifty dollars to $60,000 range to have mm-hmm. the pump implanted, the hospital costs, the physician costs, and, and everything else. Now, insurances and Medicare are both very good to pay most of those costs, and, and so usually not too much is transferred to the patient. Right. I think it's important to note that although that seems quite high, most studies have shown that beyond two to three months of intrathecal therapy, that it actually becomes cost-effective to use the pain pump compared to oral medicines. It's also important to know that in cancer patients, there have been studies that really do support better pain relief, a larger decrease in side effects when we use spinal opioids compared to oral opioids. And even one study found that cancer patients with pain pumps lived longer than those who used traditional therapies for managing their pain. Rick, when we trial patients with the catheter to determine if they're candidates for the pain pump, I've traditionally used uh, 50% pain relief and minimal side effects from the spinal drug. Is that your practice right now? I think that measure of success of 50% is something that we, um, we love to do better, but I think it's an acceptable cutoff. Exactly. And to summarize the important points of my discussion with Dr. Rauch, let me, let me start with after the pump is implanted, uh, recent guidelines recommend an overnight stay in the hospital for safety. And, and many patients want to know the life of the pump, which is about seven years. With respect to complications that are possible, they include granuloma formation, which is a benign growth at the tip of the catheter, uh, other catheter problems, and some surgical complications, as well as pump programming errors. In in Dr. Rout's experience, patients who can benefit the most are those who have cancer with tumors pressing on nerves or metastatic disease to the bone, and patients with persistent back pain or leg pain from spine surgery, also known as failed back surgery syndrome. And some new technologies that are exciting include the Prometro programmable pump by Flowonics, which was just FDA approved and offers a precision in drug delivery, and the Medstream programmable infusion system by Codman, which is FDA approved for the treatment of spasticity. There's also the medallion pump by the Alfred Mann Foundation that's in clinical trials now and offers a unique pressure sensor at the catheter tip that can resist kinking and flow changes. And finally, there's the Medtronic Synchromed 2 drug infusion system that our previous guest, Amy, had implanted that also offers precise drug delivery. And speaking of Medtronic, they have a new handheld device that's called a personal therapy manager. Rick, tell us more about that. This is an external device, looks like a very small remote for your TV, and they can hit a button and they hold it 
uh, just over the skin where close to the pump itself. Right. The physician will have programmed a safe bolus that they can deliver to give themselves some extra pain relief during the day. Medtronic has also developed a new catheter connector, a new way of attaching the anchor to the catheter, and a new catheter. And this is a much more robust catheter that you can tie in a knot and it won't occlude. And what's on the experimental drug horizon? They certainly are looking at now an approved formulation for hydromorphone. We also have done some work ourselves with Ketorolac, a lot of uh, listeners would know it as Toradol. Adenosine is another very interesting drug that seems like it may have a role in, in a subset of patients looking at drugs like ricinoferatoxin and some of these that are, are um, sort of novel compounds. There's another sodium channel blocker called NAV 1.7 that's not in humans yet, but certainly has, may have some promise that way. All very hopeful. Dr. Richard Rauch, thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. It's my pleasure, Paul, and glad to share this time with you. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, Purdue Pharma, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Horizon Pharma, Pentech Health, and Boston Scientific. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.